If you're looking to start a podcast, the best place to start is Anchor. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's easy to do everything to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is William Gates. It was not in my cards for me to play basketball for the rest of my life. Though I wanted it, I had some misfortunes. I wish they wouldn't have been as hard as they were. I really just believe you don't, you don't get to be anything else but what you are. This is Danny Taverner. And this is Trey Epps, and this is Required Watching, where we watch essential films from the list of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. Again, Trey Epps here. I need to change this intro, because I say my name three times before we get say to it. One more time, for just to be uh, This is Trey Epps, and we're joined by Dan, official, unofficial co-host. What's going on, Breba? Not much, just hanging. <laughs> would you say you're hanging on a on a rim? I'm hanging from a rim. <laughs> We're looking at 1994's what is do you, like hit documentary Hoop Dreams. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. Critically acclaimed. Yeah. Critically acclaimed for sure. Academy uh, Award uh, winning. Yeah, Sundance winner or something. Yeah, Hoop Dreams. It's. A great film. It's a it's a, a documentary. In case you don't know, it's but it's a film following the lives of two inner city Chicago boys who struggle to become college basketball players on the road to going professional, aka that NBA life. Mm-hmm. Trying to live up to Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I think it must be really hard. I think it must be really hard living in Chicago at that time, being good at basketball. Oh, absolutely. Because you have, you have the Chicago Bulls staring in your face each and every moment. Yeah, nonstop. Just nonstop. <laughs> and this is also like early nineties. So it was they were just hitting their stride. Right. Like they right. still had getting better. Yeah, like while these kids are going through high school, because it follows them for four years, the Bulls are just getting better. Like Jordan is just becoming bigger. They're just solidifying themselves as this like dynasty, and these kids are like an hour away, trying Breaking to reach that butt. same, trying to trying to get that same goal. Which is, listen, it's a three-hour documentary. So- I mean, i I appreciate that it's three hours because I don't know what you could have cut <laughs> to make it like you follow these kids for four years. I think I saw somewhere it's like several hundred hours of footage yeah 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 i mean i i I agree with you i don't know what it would have been to cut either admittedly i watched this i i think i stopped once i stopped only once uh because i had to go to the doctors not to the doctors i had to go to the chiropractor but all that exactly giving out all the information but I, i stopped once but again not on purpose but i did feel like it moved along so like i was hooked so therefore i didn't care that it was three hours yeah and it's paced like each school year and it goes back and forth between these two kids arthur and william um, not gonna lie to you not gonna lie to you i for a hot 
for a hot 10 minutes. I was like, what are we, who are we talking about? I, I was They're, actually confused. Because they talk about the same schools, like both boys are at the same school for a year, maybe. Yeah. So there is times where it gets pretty complicated. They're both like so much of their high school basketball careers are mirrored that yeah. it is a little hard to like differentiate who is who. But that just well, adds to the the tragedy of it all. Like it's it's pretty both of them have these obstacles that come up completely out of their own doing like just how the world is i mean i think i think i mean yeah absolutely i do think however that it's what i love about what i what i truly love about this film is it follows these two children but we are getting who have excuse me who have basketball like nba hopes and dreams but we're also seeing i think is it is it william's brother who was in the same position before mm-hmm. any cameras got around. We're seeing the aftermath of, oh, you know, we're seeing the light shone on one of the roads on that, you know, that these kids could possibly go down. Oh yeah. And I mean, and we're seeing like, what family life is like. Yeah. I was going to say like any good documentary, it's not just about like the, the, the surface level is these two kids trying to make it to the NBA, trying to make it to college ball. But it's, yeah, it's about, poverty and like resources and these weird systems in schools in in the public school systems and the private school systems and the disparity and what people are able to do with opportunities i mean absolutely and it's it's as we talk about i did see this in an interview regarding regarding the film but as you talked about it somebody was or sorry in the interview somebody was like do you think do you think real world got the got their idea like people at MTV got the idea for real world because of this? And I was like, I don't know if that's what happened, but but I'm not sure. I'm I'm, I'm not sure of document of many documentaries like this. Yeah, um, it, I was it re- definitely influenced that like that style of documentary where you just kind of hang out and catch what happens. Exactly. Like, if, like if you follow something long enough, you're gonna find something interesting happening. And I think I think it's a testament to these two families who opened up their lives and were able to really share what was going on. Because what what like the kids getting the opportunities that they were getting and and trying to live their hopes and dreams, like I, it's great. But some serious shit goes down where and you're like, I don't know if I could put my my entire life out there as this were to unfold. It, yeah, and it's they're so vulnerable, these families. And I think also the way it's done, because it seems like the camera crew follows them around each season and then leaves and kind of comes back. Yeah. And kind of catches up and then follows the next season. And each year they have their hardships. And then they come back and there's a brand new set of obstacles for each of them in, in, in varying degrees. Some of them are like, like they come back and Arthur's father had left. He's addicted to crack now. And he's like out scoring while his son is still playing ball. And yes, it's like, right he's, like he's on the other end of the playground, like so sad. And like these crushing 
and you see his face and he's a, he's a sophomore i think at this point or a junior like he's yeah, a kid yeah. he's a teenager and he's literally he's watching on the other side of the basketball court his dad like scoring drugs meanwhile he's got to keep up his grades and deal with a new school and he has his own obstacles that any like teenage kid has yeah and it's just bombarded more and more with with things that are out of his control i really enjoyed i, re- I really enjoyed watching this i'm happy you made me watch it <laughs> because because in all reality as a, as a black kid this was this was and you know what before i get before i get into any of this let's take two steps back Mm-hmm. Hoop dreams. Hoop dream. Hoop dreams. Hoop dreams follows two kids, William Gates and Arthur Agee. Right. So these are the two people that we are referring to, and I I get their storylines very confused. So don't hold me against it if I confuse them. But yeah, I, I, as a child growing up in the inner city, I know like it was me not not for me, but my brother was like, I'm gonna go to the NBA. I love. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, I love basketball. Like that it's not hyperbole hyperbole for people to be like, oh, your only way out is to rap or or be good at basketball. Like that's real shit for me. And I've you know, I think we I think even your even you, Dan, you've seen people try to reach for these dreams and for what one way or for one reason or another, either not get them or get completely shut down from even thinking these things. And these kids are talented as hell. Yeah, I I have kids that I went to high school with who played. I think my high school was a little more of a football school. Sure. Although I think the basketball program was pretty good. But when I was in high school, I knew a lot of kids who I was in class with who ended up going to the NFL and or playing college ball. And it really was like a this is it kind of attitude towards it like this is the only option which which is wild i mean it's great if you're good at it it's great if it's what you want to do but some people don't even get that option or get that choice and you see that with the pressure that's being put on these children i believe it's arthur it's arthur's father who is who's saying you know all along saying i'm I'm getting to live my dream through him so so many people said william's brother said that like he, William even comments yeah. and he says, like, I don't want to be living, like, my brother's dream. I don't want him to put that pressure on me. And it just, the more things that pile up throughout the years for these kids, the more you see that they're children. <laughs> you know, like, the more that's put on their shoulders, the more evident it becomes that, they're like 16, 17. <laughs> like they're not that, ready for all this pressure to be put on them. No, not, not even a little bit. And I'm not sure. And like, this isn't because they're black. This isn't because of anything. This is because what we do as a society is say, oh, you want to you wanna live a life of a professional? Then you have to grow up fast and put your butt to work. Like, like you know, gymnasts are training from three years old to try to get to the Olympics before they age out of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like trying to make sure puberty doesn't come so they can sit there and do backflips or whatever. And like child stars are are being neglected because of, you know, like we, like we have all these professions where kids aren't 
just aren't allowed to be kids. So this isn't anything other than, I guess, societal pressure. And of course, when you come from a place where people are doing nothing but trying to get out of the hood, and let me rephrase this, get out of the ghetto, mm-hmm. and let me rephrase it one more time and say, just not be poor. Like, it's, it means every, like, it means everything, and you do anything and everything that you possibly can do to, to get out of it. And it, um, it's so much so that at one point, I think it was Arthur, he was saying that even the drug dealers would buy them like sneakers and shirts and gear and stuff because even the drug dealers saw the potential and they knew that this was their way out. Yeah. Like the people who would have like caused trouble for these young kids are encouraging like, no stick with basketball. I'll, I'll buy your shoes. I'll like hook you up so long as you make it and like you because it, it's 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 more than just them it's representing their families representing their neighborhoods like yeah yeah they it's become yeah they become but 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 making it for them isn't just oh yeah i'm a professional now making it is lifting up your entire neighborhood your entire community and like representing them like isaiah thomas or jordan or any other yeah. professional basketball player at this time I mean, you think about what Jordan. Think about what Jordan did for Duke. Uh, sorry, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, just like mentioning that, being a superstar and being like, I went to this school. Is a oh big yeah, deal. I I remember reading somewhere that like in the nineties, the admission from North Carolina went up like solely as a result from Jordan's career. I mean, think about LaGuardia in New York, right? Like, we have so many actors coming out of... LaGuardia is a performing arts school in New York. We have so many actors coming out of there or having gone there. And it's a hard school to get into. It's a hard... Like, people move to get into mm-hmm. that school, which I think is in, insane. insane. Yeah, these, these... Both of them, when they were going to the private school of St. Joe's, they had a three-hour round-trip commute. Like, that That's is... Right. So insane. So let's take, we've been talking for quite a second. Let's take one step back and just reorient ourselves. So William Gates, Arthur Agio, two African-American kids who are found by a camera crew. Um, like, true story, this camera crew was was going to shoot around and film some 30-minute short film for PBS. And instead... I think it was about basketball or something. I, I watched the interview and instead found Arthur and, and, and uh, William playing basketball and essentially just started filming them from there. And this like, unofficial scout guy was also saying, these kids are going to be amazing. And then like the film takes off from there on kind of following these two people. And the two of them ended up getting scholarships to attend the school and, and and it starts pretty like their freshman year is pretty innocuous. It's like, all right, they're given this opportunity to go to this private school, better resources. It's outside of their area, but the promise is that it'll be worth it when it comes time for college, right? Right. And but, then, but still, but still, under the guise of like, this is like we want you because of basketball. Like, yeah. they, they obviously would not have gotten in otherwise. This is a private school, right? Like, you're paying to get in. And then things just progress or degress rather like so quickly, like by the next year, there's already a new set of problems for each of them. 
And and, let, and I, I guess we don't have to speak about every trial and tribulation, but especially during the first year, we see something I, I think is quite remarkable, right? Like, for better or worse, Arthur... Arthur, who I'm going to say is the much more street smart kid. I'm putting that in quotes, right? Yeah, but he was he's like... The much the, more, he, he's more rough around the edges. He was... Yeah, I... He was like the bad boy of the two. He was... Yes, exactly. He was given a partial scholarship, which meant that his parents still had to pay for a bit of it. While William, if I'm not mistaken, was given a full scholarship. I think so. Or yeah. no, sorry, he wasn't he given had, a full scholarship. He had a partial scholarship, but then he had he some had, sort of like angel investor. Yeah, just some rich white lady who was yeah like from I think encyclopedia she, britannica yeah even at one point she like paid for college courses for him yeah so you wouldn't have to worry i mean and, and, and job, i mean by the time his knee injury comes about i'm pretty sure she paid for him to go to i forget what team it was but it was like maybe the pistons doctor to get yeah, his yeah. to get a second opinion on his knee like they're shelling out a lot of money for these kids. They're shelling out so much money. And again, this is the start. The start is one kid gets partial scholarship and still has to make this ridiculous commute. Another kid gets a partial scholarship but gets an investor to pay up for the other half. So the financial burden for one of these kids is completely gone. The only thing this kid has to do is practice and, and do the schoolwork. And even that but, isn't like he can only do so much. He can only do so much. I mean, before before other problems arise. Exactly. I mean, these kids. I mean, for for lack of, of I guess a better summary, these kids start off at the same exact point mm-hmm. as in getting the scholarship and having talents that people see for them to play basketball, and then everything from there is goes off the rails in one way, shape, or form. I don't know if I I don't know if I think of this as a happy story or a sad story or or like. You know, it gives you a happy ending in any way, shape, or form. In fact, the ending made me angry. Oh yeah, I. There are moments of of joy and elation and family, and there there are definitely parts of the stories, each of them, that are hopeful and and pretty sweet. But so much of it is disheartening. Like I'm surprised that the two of them played basketball for as long as they did. I think that's just a testament to like to to how much they really believed in these dreams and how much they were committed to it cuz yeah. so many things that happen. It's like any any person, any other person in this situation would likely give up, you know. So Dan, I, I think we keep saying so many things happen. Should we should we go down each, each road and just quickly go through some of the, I guess, highlights, for better or worse, um, of what happens to each kid? Yeah, so for Arthur, he gets the scholarship to St. Joe's. He loses it. In losing <laughs> it, I mean, that's more or less. <laughs> in losing it, which, and not to minimize, because it's, it's, it sucks, but losing it causes so many more problems because then his transcripts are being held because his parents owe money to the school and he essentially lost a year of schooling yeah because he doesn't have those credits but not just but not just like his poor parents like his financially strapped parents 
Sorry. Go on. Go on. I was just going to say, and then he has to go to start a new school and join a new team. And he's starting over. So he basically lost a year of a four-year high school career. Yeah. To, Which is like, to, start, to start over oh. and do – and to start over – yeah. yeah and just to, just to repeat the same issues that he had previously. At, at a school with less resources. Yeah, like he had to go back to public school, which you would think is fine. But I think when you get a year taken away from you in your college career and when you're trying to build up this momentum and steam to be a part of a team, it's it's a lot. And he has he's had the most heartbreaking family life. Like we already alluded to what we already mentioned, the fact that his his parents split up twice, I think. I think it was in the so, film. Yeah. Split up twice. I think one reason they just split up, and then another reason, and then he came back, and then he was on drugs. I, I may be screwing up I, the timeline. I think I, I had to kind of jot this down just to keep track because there was so much going on. Yeah. So after he transfers to the public school, they're in financial ruin essentially. His dad leaves, becomes addicted to crack, and it's that's sad in and of itself, but the fact that he's a junior, like he's Arthur A.G. Jr. He's his dad's mini-me. And at the beginning, his dad is the one talking about he doesn't have, like his dad says, there is no plan B. Like I'm not even thinking about him not making it because I know he's going to make it. Right. And then his dad, the the pressure, like (laughs) the pressure. (laughs) And then to see like, just to watch something like addiction take hold like that while trying I mean, to yeah to handle all this pressure it, um, it's, it's again it's it's wild just to pause you for a sec it's wild because because like the cameras are allowed to be there i've never met any hood where because the, like these are white guys like holding yeah. the camera i've never met any hood or ghetto where like these white guys are able to sit there and film a drug transaction I know. They're just, I mean, that might just speak to how prevalent it was in the 90s. That it's like... Right. No, yeah, it's you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Sorry. I, I just wanted to there. say... No, I know. I, I just wanted to say, like, and then to, t- to top that with the idea that his mother is poor, right? Mm-hmm. And having to take care of him. And I think only one other kid. I could be wrong on the siblings. But, like, to have your lights turned off. To yeah. have your lights a, turned off. Single mom, lights turned off. They are like running extension cords to the neighbors, and like that's wild. At, like justifiably so, Arthur starts acting out. You know, this is like where he starts becoming like a bad boy. You know, like a high school troublemaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his, his anyway. grades start slipping. He's acting out in classes. So, they yeah. they show like scenes of him in class. And I'm like, oh, I remember those kids in high school. <laughs> like, <laughs> who just wouldn't answer. High yeah, who, who wouldn't answer the teacher ever or never, like, sincerely. Yeah. And it was it was just about... I, I, I feel like I related to this so much because I was a poor kid. Not, and I didn't have hoop dreams. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't have hoop dreams. But, but, I, but I, like, I had to go home and eat shit that I didn't want to eat because I couldn't, I, uh, my family for whatever that looked like at the time couldn't afford these yeah. things. 
I had, and I was, I was actually a good student, but I had to like get by on my own and I didn't have to deal with the idea of sports or my dream getting crushed or anything like that. But he, but he was a kid who was like, I'm just going to get by academically with what I can get by with. And we see that we look like that. It just hurts him. It hurts him. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, if we can say it's because of his family but he was a kid who needed help academically from the very beginning. And because of the public school system and because of, you know, the lack of resources, he wasn't able to catch up to the grade level he should have been at. And he's just advancing in grade levels and unable to keep up. Yeah. And same. I, I mean, we grew up like an hour away from each other, similar, yeah. similar cities. Like I was public school K through 12. Yeah. Same. You can only do so much with, the resources at hand like there's a certain point where this is kind of as good as i'm going to do with what i'm given right that and it's not necessarily monetary although a lot of cases it is it's just one of those things where it's like look i'm trying (laughs) i'm really trying but life just keeps like shoveling shit at you and, and what, like, what are you meant to do? Like, what, yeah, what, what are you, you supposed do? to do? As a, as a kid, I go, what are you meant to be doing? Because no matter what, people are always going to see you how they want to see you. And you, you get to see that. Like, like, as you watch the film, you get to see what his personal life is like. And you're like, why are these teachers being so hard on them? Yeah. Why is, like, to a certain point, like you said, they're, they're holding his transcripts. They're holding his transcripts, which means he can't get the credit for those classes at his public school because his family owes them eighteen hundred dollars. And he's like, and, "You, you're the one who told me to go to that school. Like, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I commuted three hours to go to that school." So this is the same family who couldn't keep the lights on because they're on public assistance. Not to mind you that the mom is working, so she's mm-hmm. working and can't like isn't making enough to where the state is saying that she's below the poverty line and she still needs state assistance. And they, they pluck him out the hood and put him in a situation where they can't afford it financially. Yeah. And, and the world and given nothing. And they, the scout, I forget his name, but the scout from the beginning who brought both of these boys to St. Joe's, he he shows some remorse towards the end by the time they're seniors it was, because he, it's, it's he, not, yeah he's he, yeah he just says like i didn't realize what i was setting these kids up for like the promises that he was giving them that weren't being held up which is a great realization five years later like when you realize like when you realize that you're not hearing this or sorry i guess four years later if they're seniors yeah. but when you realize that you're not hearing this until the end of their careers and even the boys haven't seen them like all year long since they've mm-hmm. been recruited for the school it's like i'm happy to have heard it but i'm like damn why like i hope you're doing better now yeah you can tell there's definitely like genuine like sincere remorse that the scout feels about what he's and, and it's not his fault obviously like it's not no of course it's just what he's do. it just he knows that the promises he gave to these boys weren't held up but but and and, and he sees like the 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 trials that they've had to go through yeah 
And listen, troubles aside, for Arthur, it's all good, right? Like, he ends up leading the team. And for a long time, they actually stopped talking about him academically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for a long period of film, they stopped talking about him ac- academically. And I think this is mainly because the team, the public school basketball team that he's on, is just doing better in in the season. His senior year, they are... With, they ended up going 23-3. and three. Three losses? I think it was even like twenty six and three or something. Like yeah, like they had a sure, great sure. record. They had a they great were, record. Like, the year before that, <laughs> the year before that, they were terrible. Yeah, but um, even I forget if it's the scout who says this um, or if it's one of the coaches. But he has a good point. The money wasn't necessarily the problem at the private school. Like they, if he was a good enough player, or if they thought he was a good enough player, they would have kept him or found a way. Yeah, it's the fact that they're like, you know what? We're not going to get what we want out of you. We're good. We don't need you anymore. But you know what? This is a perfect time to transition to William, right? Mm-hmm. Because because if if we have to think about it, William is this clean-cut, like, sweater vest-wearing, like, speaks perfect thing. Like, you know. He's like, he's like, he's like a mini Isaiah Thomas. He's right. like and, a, and to be a, fair, a he, golden boy almost. Exactly. He's presentable, right? Like, maybe, like, again, lack of a better phrase, but he's the most presentable one of the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets he gets this angel investor for from Encyclopedia Britannica who gives him a summer job, like, just takes care of him for the you know, next four years. And he and William's struggles aren't necessarily with school, although his academics do slip at a certain point. But mm-hmm. for the most part, He's like school wise, he's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, behaviorally. The only, yeah. The only time he has a problem is his major arc, which is his foot. Or, sorry, not his foot, but his knee. Yeah. Uh, which I think is like his sophomore, maybe junior year. So it's like when things should be ramping up. Like, not oh, necessarily his peak, but definitely just before his peak. Like, the trajectory is. It's it's the worst timing, the absolute worst timing, and there's nothing. There's like when when you have an injury like this as a player, it can take you out of the game entirely. And mm-hmm. for the most part, it does. Like it change it changes who he is because and it, there's really no other choice. Like it changes who he is. He I, I don't know what it's like to come away from an injury like this. Yeah, like you, I don't. Yeah, it must be so excruciating to have to to be to be relegated to just watching something that you love and not being right. able to participate. For and even like, or something like that, not being able to participate like for your own good, like participating would actively harm you. Right, and, and it does. And it, yeah, and it does. It does. For, and for for the first, uh, the very first injury where she had to go to surgery, he was out for twelve weeks. His name was was off the scoreboard, or you know, the mm-hmm. was it the scoreboard or off the gym, off being inside the gym with the rest of the team. And he's sitting from the sidelines, not dressed up and just sitting on the on you know in the chairs like we do in the NBA now, right? But but when he finally makes it back, he has another injury in which. And- when he finally makes it back, he's playing in front of scouts at like a, a training camp, and it's, right. it's 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 leading up to like this big moment. Like it's when people are starting to pay attention 
to high school players. Right. He has no um, cho- he has no choice but to play because it's it's play good or play well anyway and 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 get these scholarships into schools uh, and to call the colleges or don't and yeah it, this don't. is the time to to get on the scouts radars to get on the college's radars and he his knee acts up during one of the scrimmages that they're playing in front of all these scouts that must be so like to feel like things are slipping out of your fingers like in real time i mean uh, like I, i'm not even sure what which instance you're referring to because this happens a couple of times like mm-hmm. at school this yeah. happens and then he goes to nike is it nike all american yeah, basketball it's, camp or whatever yeah, yeah, that's it is? what i'm talking to. yeah that nike camp so yeah i mean because it happens twice right at least mm-hmm. twice where he where he's in front of uh, i think at the nike camp he had to miss so. the last like two or three days of the camp yeah, so it's like the, the peak, like the final performance. He can't even do. It, 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 and it's rough because it started off really, really slow. Where, where you know he was feeling really bad about about being there because he wasn't able to shine, and then he gets into the rhythm and be, you know and able to shine, and then he tweaks his knee. Honestly, as when I when I was watching, it, I was like, he tweaked his knee doing nothing. Yeah, but and it didn't look like it was anything. I think he got two surgeries. <laughs> like they eventually. Yeah. Just, I think, just remove the ligament entirely, and they're like, "Hey, he's going to have really bad arthritis, but at least he'll be able to play basketball for several years." And that's not an exaggeration; that's almost an exact quote of what. And and the doctor says it like that's the best case scenario, which I'm sure it was, but it's like, damn, (laughs) like the costs of what these kids are trying to do is so great. And and yeah, I I don't think it's a shame. It's a shame to watch. This movie, essentially, uh, this you know documentary, and I want to keep on that it's a documentary, which I do believe is cinema. But this documentary just has two children stars. But I think the heart of it, and the disappointing bit of it, and the celebrations about it, is almost what, like how the other people around them are are acting and behaving. I need to say these coaches and scouts. It is, like it was already pretty. I don't even know if callous is an exaggeration at the beginning, but it's just like, they're only in it for one thing. They just want the kids to nah. play for them. Yeah, it no, gets the, to a the, point the where it is so predatory and callous. Like at the end, the St. Joe's coach is talking to Arthur, who again, like had to leave that private school. Yeah. And he's just like, Oh, w- well, wish we could have had you. Like it didn't work out. And even William, who was this coach's player, who suffered knee injuries and poor grades? He's just like up. Oh. Yeah, another one leaves and another one comes in the door. Right, exactly. Ready, ready to essentially torture the next kid. And I think he, they say more or less care? like the only reason these school get the schools get money is if the kids win, and if they don't win, they don't need them. Right. Like it's so straightforward that it's it's like pretty disgusting how honest he is about the whole situation. And then the college scouts are looking at these 13, 14 year old boys. And I think at one point I had to write it down verbatim because it was (laughs) so weird. There's a group of scouts. I, I don't know if it was at the Nike camp or it was around the same year, like junior, senior year. He says, quote unquote, 
look at these young boys' bodies. Mm, they're professional players. Oh, like, I, I 100% clocked that. And I was like, this is so... Not sexual, but, to, but still predatory. But to, yeah, to look at a kid's body and be like, yeah, they're, they're professionals. They got bodies like NBA players. What? <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> well, these are like, at, at oldest, like 17, 18-year-old 18 kids. I wouldn't have gone that old. Oh. It's, and then it's no, just, it's, again, it's, it's that, like, everyone around them, and, and this is separate from the tragedies of life, you know, the things that get handed to you that are out of your control. Right. Separate from that, and separate from just trying to play, like you said, there's this element of adults letting these kids down and, yeah. and taking advantage of these kids. Which is, which is the yeah, I, I think that's the real tragedy of it all. Because I think as a viewer, we, we're able to... Again, I have not seen... I've, I've watched a few documentaries, right? But that sounds really stupid. But I, I've seen some documentaries <laughs> I've in my I've seen life. a documentary, too. <laughs> but, but there's something about... It's a combination of things. Like, the raw nature of it all. Like, there's obviously a lot of editing going on, right? Mm -hmm. So there's something about the raw nature of it all, but also the openness of it all that I don't think we have these days that's so nice because it really, it really allows you to get deep down to the emotional heartbeat of the story. Yeah, I don't know if that's... I wonder if that's because they were just around so often that it was almost like a numbers game. Like, if you're around for four years, you're going to get some honest moments from, I mean, from the people participating. Absolutely. I like think Kurt, I think... um, William's older brother, Curtis. Yeah. We kind of talked on him, but he's a, a former high school star. He, he was living hoop dreams. Like he, I think he had a scholarship. Yep. Got out, of, got out of high school and got into Marquette, which is where his brother's going now. Mm -hmm. And why? I forget why he stopped playing. Uh, an injury. An injury. Yeah. And now, by the time William's playing, Curtis, and these are his words, he says, like, I have amounted to nothing. Like, he's yeah. very open and honest about his situation. To the point that he's very open about living vicariously through his younger brother, which which is um, which is amazing. I and mean, we see again being as an audience member, we can see firsthand what one of the roads leads down to, and that's mm -hmm. being a security guard. That's yeah. that's you know again him him saying I've done nothing, and we see how bitter he is, and not bitter in like he's not. I, I do think he's bitter. But he doesn't show it in a mean way. He's not ang he's not outwardly angry or showing resentment. But he is like, I think he does have a certain protectiveness over his brother, uh, over William, when it comes to picking the right college. I think he's very protective when it comes to like what he's doing, and I I think he generally thinks that the adults doesn't you know don't care about his brother at all. Yeah. And we and we as an audience, I think, are meant to side with him. And I know I side with him because we see exact we see what the result of it is. Yeah, I mean, there's a point where Curtis, I think he's already lost a couple jobs at this point. I think he finally 
is employed again, but not much. Like even he says, yeah. like this is the best job you can get without a college degree. So I'm probably going to be here. Wait. So I'm probably going to be here for a while. Go, before you finish this thought, he only got that job because Williams Angel Investor right. gave yeah, it to him. They, they hooked it up. Go on. What were we going to say? But there's a there's a, a scene where uh, Williams' brother Curtis goes to the court to just play like a pickup game. And he's like missing like easy layups, and and you can yeah. see on his face like this realization of, wow, I, this is a former life. Like this isn't me anymore. This isn't even, yeah, this isn't even where I was a second ago. Like he's put on so much weight from you know. Like we get a, we get a little segment of what he was like back then. Yeah, and it's like, like what he's like now. Me stepping on a skateboard now. I'm like, wow, I don't even know how I did this as a teenager. Like, it's so another world away. Uh, I was never good at skateboarding. No, I'm, I'm as good as I, I ever was. I think it's good to be. <laughs> no, I mean, again, it's, it's, I think it's really sad. I, fun fact about me, I, do I have three? I have three cousins who have played, who are playing professional sports right now. Or were, were playing. So all cousins that I grew up very close to and I'm not as close to right now. But, you know, very supportive. Mm-hmm. The one cousin who played for the NFL for, I think, two or three years before an injury took him out the game. I have a cousin who was drafted this year. This year. My little baby cousin was drafted this year to play for Seattle. Ooh. Is Seattle a team? <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, okay. Great. And not the Washington football players. And then I have I have another cousin who's playing the European League. I don't know what it's called, but he's I think he's in he's played in a few different teams. And I think he's in Russia now or Czech or he's somewhere. He's in, I don't know. I like almost first hand experience watching these guys who are considerably younger than I am kill themselves to get to the point that they're at. Oh yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I have a bunch of people I remember from high school who made it pro. And it's the same where it's like you have so many obstacles that you have to go through just to get to like, just to have a shot pretty much. I mean, and we're, Dan, we're lucky, like in some respects of having loose creative jobs in which I I do loops sports into this, right? Is when you're, when you want to be a professional sports player, you have to, like time is of the essence. Oh, you yeah. come out of high school and you're either getting drafted or you go to a really good college and you get drafted. There's no one, but there's no like, I think I'm just going to travel the world for a bit and like figure out me before well, I go yeah, play basketball. Because so much of it, athleticism, it's got a cap. Like there's a pretty, it's not very strict, but there is a time frame that you have to fit into. I mean, more, like after more after a certain point, it's not. It's just not going to happen. And I think everyone realizes that. And that certain so I, point is pretty early on. So I, I listen. I do consider consider us very lucky in that regard. Uh, I think you are going to say we're lucky because we have no desire to play sports. <laughs> I have I have zero desire to play any kind of sports. I was like, you're, um, you're, you're damn right, we're lucky. <laughs> let's see. Any other fun facts I can throw at you really quickly? So the. NCAA rules forbid forbid the two boys from getting any kind of payment from the sale of the films, oh. uh, which meant that they weren't paid at 
all for this movie until way after. So it was like it was like they, they were eventually paid. It was like a true like deferred payment situation, oh, okay. which I think is great. But you know, when you see people being financially strapped, and then you have cameras in your face for long periods of time. Yeah, there's uh, even there's one point where Arthur's mom is talking directly to the crew, and she's like, "We're poor. We're broke. We have nothing." Like, yeah, I don't even know how I'm gonna make like simple payments. So, I. I imagine it's this incident where the lights went out for Arthur's mom or Arthur's, yeah, Arthur's family's house. Apparently, the, one of the crew members or I guess producers or whomever paid for the lights to come back up. What's that? I was just going to say, that's one of those things with documentaries where I think this is like a bigger question and I, I guess more a question on like humanity, really. Like what, at what point do you step in? You know, like right, I, I know I've, I've heard this discussion for like nature documentaries, like for some nature documentaries, like you have to film animals getting attacked and eaten. Like that's what nature is. But I've heard of stories where the crew is like, hey, look, I get that nature's scary and shit happens. And that's what we're here to capture. But sometimes you have to step in and like intervene just on like a human level. I mean, I, I, I personally don't see a problem with that. Some people are like the integrity of the documentary. And I'm like, dude, you have people starving. You're not yeah, going to have anyone to film. People. Right. Let's see. What else do we have? So th- this movie was nominated for one award at the Oscars. And that Edit. was editing. Rumor has it, and I'm not going to deep dive and get into conspiracy theories or anything like that. Rumor has it the head of the Academy at the time had a documentary as well. So best documentary, best documentary, like the, that person who was the head of the Academy, I believe, was trying to get people to not vote for this film and vote for his or her film for best Man. documentary. Yeah. And apparently, like Siskel and Ebert, very famous critics, in case you don't know, um, not you, Dan, everyone else. Apparently the nomination process here, actually, let me just read it really quickly. So he said, I'm reading now, he said the members of the Academy's documentary committee committee held flashlights when they watched documentaries, and anyone who had given up could wave it against the screen. The movie was turned off if a majority waved their flashlights. Hoop Dreams was turned off after 15 minutes of people watching it. What? Yeah. So a three-hour movie. crazy. Yeah, yeah, and this this was for people to vote for it for best to even get nominated for best documentary. Wow, that's so um, shady. It is very shady, and that's why. And and uh, apparently at the time, people voting weren't even documentarians. Documentarians. So so like since like there was a whole lot of controversy over this, and rules were subsequently changed to make sure that people, you know, people were able to vote properly and fairly. It's um, all rigged. It's all rigged. It is. It is all right. This documentary. I mean, even going back to the to Arthur and Williams themselves, like you could kind of say that about life. Like it's rigged. If you don't have money, if you don't have resources, you can only like. I know people say like, "Oh, talent is opportunity and knowing what to do with it," or something like that. But even with talent and opportunity that's still not necessarily good enough. Like there's still things that are going to step in the way 
and beat you down and like crush those dreams. It's it's luck. It's it's luck. There is every bit of it that's that's luck. Really quick, going back to Siskel and yeah. Ebert, I saw a quote from Ebert that he said like this is the best film of American life that he's ever seen. That's amazing. And it's it's so true because like all the things that the two boys encounter, they're not necessarily uniquely American, but they're still things that are troubling America today, you know, poverty, like wealth disparity, healthcare, drug addiction, like so many things that they deal with. They're still very much prevalent issues in 2020. I mean, and, and I think a criticism of the film is like, well, this is Black America, right? And honestly, we watch, we watch really, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say shitty documentaries, but we watch equally great documentaries about white kids doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a little disheartening, the fact that these problems are still so apparent. And then on the flip side, it's almost like, I mean, what are these kids going to do? <laughs> like, they, but, they did all they could. Everything they did, they, they worked hard. They responded reasonably to what they were given. Like, even when they acted yeah. out, it's like, yeah, of course they acted out. Look at what's around them. Like, look at the also, everything. Also, look at them being 15 years old. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, look at them being children, yeah. Even but, one of them, okay. William has a kid, and he says to his girl, he says, like, basketball is my ticket. Like, I need this. Like, I will give up everything for basketball. And she has a good point. She's like, yeah, like, I'm in the same boat as you, and I'm doing it. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm working with what I'm giving also. Which is, which is wild. But, okay, let me, let me just stop because we've been all right, 50 minutes. We have to wrap this up. By saying nothing more than this. <laughs> By saying nothing more than this. At the end, at the end of this film, it, we, we get to see just, I, I say we see a very short period of time in which we see them in college. So we're following mm-hmm. them right before freshman year. We see them a little bit after they graduate high school. And Arthur college. ends up going to a junior college because his grades weren't there. And yep. William finally gets his ACT scores up and he is able to accept the full scholarship to Marquette. Yep. And, and you know, I, I, you can easily have done, you could have easily have done this film. I'm sorry. I'm watching. Uh, I just, I just saw something that distracted me. You can easily watch, uh, you can easily get another five years out of their lives and do a follow up. And of course they didn't, but but their college careers end up being so much as tumultuous as oh, yeah. their high school ones. Yeah, they could have done a part two just as long, if not longer. In the little ending credits, I think they said that William played, then his grades weren't there, so he had to quit the team. But because he had a full scholarship, he was able to stay at the school academically. And then I think by junior year, he eventually joins the team again once his grades are up to snuff. Yeah. Yeah, and let me see. Where is my little update? In the end, everyone was fine. 
Yeah. In the end, it was a story of trying hard. <laughs> no, I mean, listen. After I, neither of the kids got into the NBA. Another quick fun fact was that for William, he was meant to be a part of the return of Michael Jordan joining the Washington Wizards. Uh, and he was invited to practice with Michael Jordan, the very, the, the very one. Um, but he also called, uh, I'm getting this like Wikipedia and around the internet, so I'm not sure exactly how true or what is true and false about this. But he, Michael Jordan also invited other NBA players to come play, and he kind of felt like he kind of just stopped coming to practices or didn't show up to practice at all. So it was another wasted opportunity. But you know, Mike, Mike was Michael Jordan, as we all know from The Last Dance, is very ruthless in this way. And it's like, if you want it, you got to work for it. I mean, um, we've all we've all seen the fuck them kids meme. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> fuck them kids. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I feel like I had another little piece of information here, but I don't see it, so I won't read it. I will say, watching um, them, watching them be able to play with Isaiah Thomas, like freshman or sophomore year, and seeing how. Great how elated they were to like yeah. be playing one-on-one with their hero like that was one of those beautiful moments in the film where you're like not that you forget that their kids just playing a game but you're like yeah they're like there are moments where it's just straight elation to be able to pursue this you know yeah a bit of sad news really quickly Regarding these guys, uh, William's brother was 36 and killed uh, September 2001. Oh, damn. And Arthur's father was murdered uh, in 2004. Um, yeah. Life does suck. Life just didn't get easier for these guys. But I mean, listen, they're both doing okay now. Uh, and I, I, I won't get into their life. I feel like we can talk forever and ever about what these guys have been up to since then. But they seem to be okay, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but with that, Dan, what is your take on this film? I mean, Required or no? Not necessarily that this is a, clear, a, a, a direct indication, but I think the fact that we talked about this movie for almost an hour with, without... I didn't even realize that we spoke this long. I think, yeah, this movie is definitely required. I think it touches on... Not again, not necessarily specifically American life, but adversities that are kind of almost seemingly ingrained at this point in American life that you can't escape from. They're there whether you try your hardest, whether you don't try at all. It's it's a matter of taking what you're given and just running with it and kind of and not to sound defeatist but almost just hoping to get as far as you can yeah absolutely like it's they're Um, both tragic stories but they show the heart that these kids have you know like the dream like how strong that dream really was that they were able to continue to pursue it despite being handed obstacles left and right you really really well said I listen, I, I think just like the purpose of this film club of pursuing, exploring, and discovering 
all types of cinema from all around the world. I enjoy the fact that this movie was picked because it is a documentary. Mm-hmm. And I am not the most well-versed in documentary films, especially the ones that are, quote, quote need to see, must see. But having seen this, and I've seen it before, but having seen this again recently, I feel like it's almost a, a breath of fresh air in terms of being able to show what the real what real life is like and not being able to hide away from little snippets that we may see in the news or little snippets that we may see in like trendy videos like right now. You know what I mean? Like like this this is still very much going on today. Right. And I think without this film, we don't get things like boyhood. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that too. I was like, Oh, this Uh, is like a a much shorter boyhood. (laughs) Only barely. (laughs) But I also think we, we, like we, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that this film lended a hand in reality shows that we see now, but I do think it opened a lot of doors for this to happen. And I think it allowed people to see the beauty and the nuance in life. Because I think, I think we always live up to like the American dream and like here's like the four-person family and a dog and a white picket fence and all this stuff. And I think, you know, like this isn't the Wonder Years, right? Yeah. Way, I think, yeah, not, uh, not, to, <laughs> not to throw out all reality TV, but I think you could say this documentary at best shaped how documentaries portray everyday life in a, absolutely. In a, in, in a not glorified and just matter of fact Absolutely. way. And at worst, you could say that they influenced reality sh- TV shows. But, but I, I absolutely, I, I, 100, I couldn't agree with you more that the elements of, of this documentary is certainly take shape in what we see now. And I, I think, I think more than anything, it has hearts when telling a human story. Because I think more than anything, we're like, oh, yeah, sure, let's watch this nature documentary. But when it has to do with any kind of like hardships that isn't some sort of like social justice cause, we kind of turn our noses away. Um, yeah. And they're not, they're not just characters. They're like actual humans. Exactly, watching. exactly. People. Uh, in case I haven't said it, yes, this movie is 100% required watching for me. But yeah, then I'm going to get out. We've been recording for hella long. I'm going to go eat some food. My wife is going to kill me. All right. Dude, thanks. Thanks for doing this. Let's do this again soon. Thank you. So that's our episode. I'm your host, Trey Epps. Uh, What did you think of the movie? Did I get it right or was I completely off base? Leave a message and we'll play it during our our next episode and discuss. Required watching is a movie club, so as much as I'd love to hear my own voice, I would love to hear from you guys. There's a link in the show notes where you can leave a voice message or you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Required Watch. See you there. Hey, just really quickly, every two weeks from this very second until December, we'll be giving away subscriptions to HBO Max, Criterion Collection, or the streaming service Movie. These are great platforms to watch some of the films that we'll be talking about during the show. So all you have to do is subscribe, leave a review, and we'll choose a new winner every two weeks. So get on it. Mm-hmm.